Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us. I had a friend tell me the other day, he said, when you see that there's one person watching online, that's me. So it was kind of fun. So thank you for watching us online today. Um, real quick announcement from me. Just a reminder uh, to wear a name tag. I'm, I know most of you are wearing them. But uh, the reason we wear name tags is so that whether it's your first time or your 101st time, uh, you, you, we kind of just set the stage so that everybody kind of knows each other's names. So, um, and it's helpful for me because I don't remember anyone's name. So it's helpful for people like me who, you know, kind of know people's names, but then they forget. So um, please put on a name tag on your way in. It's really helpful. Okay, so got a question to open up the service today. Are there any weightlifters in the room? Just kind of raise your hand if you're a weightlifter. Okay, like there's a couple. Yeah, we have a few weightlifters in the room. Well, Michael Albert over here is... Uh, is a weightlifter of a different kind. <laughs> um, he does strongman competitions. So um, this is a video uh, that he posted a few months ago where he set a personal record in the deadlift of 545 pounds. So just check this out. Pretty impressive, Michael. Um, the thought, well, one thing on that, did you see when the camera shook when <laughs> he dropped that? The whole floor was shaking, which is, that's a lot of weight. Um, but the one thought I had on that, if you, if you heard it, they were people yelling at Michael in the background. Now, they weren't mad at him. They were yelling at him to motivate him, to encourage him, to get him kind of psyched out to be able to lift that kind of weight. And that's helpful, isn't it? Isn't it, Michael? Yeah. And so if you're going to lift heavy weights, all right, you've got to be in the right frame of mind. You need to be motivated. You need to be pumped up, psyched out. So I, I have a picture of me and my personal trainer from this past week as well. <laughs> Pick either one as me, right? No, actually, if I had a personal trainer, I'm pretty sure I would look more like this. <laughs> you know, his personal trainer is actually helping him hold his arms up. <laughs> no, I, I don't have a personal trainer. I do lift weights um, just to try to stay in shape. Nothing like what Michael does. Uh, but I don't have a personal trainer, but I do have a playlist 80s Christian rock playlist where they yell at me in my ears, you know, whenever I, I lift weights. So this past Wednesday, um, I usually lift weights on Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings. I went downstairs and I went into our exercise room where I have some weights. And I'll be honest, uh, I did not want to lift weights. And I'm like, 
really, Lord, do I still need to keep doing this? I'm getting old. Do I have to? But I felt like I, I need to stay in shape. And so anyway, I put in my earbuds. I turned on my playlist and started listening to some res band and Petra. And, you know, and I started getting a little pumped up and was able to kind of get through my workout. Well, the next day on Thursday night, we had a homeowners association meeting in our neighborhood. And uh, I'm a newly appointed board member of this homeowners association. And we've had a few issues in our homeowners association recently. And so at this meeting, I'm thinking, it, it, it won't be that bad. I'll help keep things under control. Well, at, at one point, there was like a fight that broke out, like screaming and cussing and pushing. And I had to jump up and, and separate people who are about ready to throw it down in our, in our homeowners association. Anyone ever had that happen in a homeowner? Yeah, that was, that was bad. Um, Rose, Rose is over like consoling the other homeowners who are crying, you know, <laughs> because they've never seen anything quite like that. People are leaving. It was, it was really, really bad. So that night, I, I'm, I'm trying to sleep, but I'm just replaying everything that was happening. I'm like, I was frustrated. I'm like, how can I prevent that from happening again, you know, because we have another board meeting in six months, and I'm already dreading it, you know. <laughs> anyway, so um, I woke up in the morning. I usually get up around six. I got up at five. I couldn't sleep. You know, I didn't even need an alarm. I went downstairs and uh, eventually got over to the workout room and uh, put in my earbuds, but I didn't really even need my Christ 80s Christian rock playlist. I was so frustrated. I just like rocked through it, you know? I mean, it just lifted the weights and got through it all, and I was like, I could do more. I think I could deadlift 545 pounds. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But, I, you know, I felt like it. I felt like it. So anyway, um, the, the question I have is, what was the difference between Wednesday morning when I barely got through my workout and Friday morning when I you know, just rocked my workout. I didn't get stronger between Wednesday and Friday, right? I mean, that didn't happen. Um, I actually didn't get a better night's sleep on Thursday night compared to Tuesday night. I didn't sleep very well at all. I didn't have some magical protein shake in the morning. No, what was different was my frame of mind, right? It was my mindset. It was different. Guys, our mindset can affect how well we perform, how well we do anything. Another, a great example of this uh, is college sports. Any college sports fans? Yeah. So I love college sports because on any given game day, you never know who's going to win. Whether, you know, a ranked team versus unranked, it doesn't really matter because we're talking about 18-year-old young adults put onto a huge stage for the first time in their lives, 18, 19, 20-year-old. And let's just face it, you guys remember when you were 18, 19, 20, I'm not trying to offend any of you young adults out here, but you make stupid decisions. Let me just tell you, <laughs> right? I mean, we do. We did. Whatever. So um, they might have broke up with their girlfriend on Friday night before the game. Not a good move, right? It's not a good move. They might have stayed up all night 
playing video games, or doing other things. Uh, they might have, you know, failed a test, you know, the night before and, and or the day before, and they're thinking about that. So they get out on the field, and, and you never know what they're going to do. You know, what state of mind, what frame of mind are they going to be in? And it affects the game as to who's going to win. And not only does that happen, but there's something called momentum, Right? I mean, have you seen these games? I love it, like, especially like college basketball. You have two teams that are going out there, and one team in the first half is dominating. I mean, every shot they throw up is going in. The other team can't hit anything at all. And uh, so, you know, this team's losing terribly. And then at halftime, it's like something magical happens because the losing team comes out, makes a basket or two, and then all of a sudden, they begin to believe that they can win. And because of that, they just like start hitting every shot. And then the, the winning team in the first half starts to believe that, well, I, we might lose this game. And so they kind of tense up and they're trying to shoot and then they, they just start missing every shot. So did the, did the losing team in the first half become better athletes in the second half to come from behind and win? No. They're the same athletes. And the same question is true with the, the first half winning team. Did they all of a sudden become worse athletes in the second half? No. Again, our society calls it a momentum shift, and I would call it a mindset shift. What they believed was going to happen began to happen. What we think, what we believe, in our minds can affect what happens in our reality. Our mindset matters. Now, there are a ton of New Age books out there that talk about the power of positive thinking, right? And then in the, in the Christian faith, there's this faith movement, name it, claim it, or the... the um, prosperity gospel that's being preached. And I'm not, I'm not trying to go down that path at all. I don't, I don't want to go down that path at all. But one thing I do know, what we believe and what we think will affect our reality. Which is true. It will. Here's a couple of quotes. NFL quarterback Russell Wilson, he won a Super Bowl. He said this, I truly believe in positive synergy that your positive mindset gives you a more hopeful outlook and belief that you can do something great means you will do something great. And then uh, actor Manu Bennett from the TV series Spartacus said this, anyone can train to be a gladiator. What marks you out is having the mindset of a champion. That makes some sense. And then author and motivational speaker Steve Maraboli says this, once your mindset changes, everything on the outside will change along with it. What we think matters. Professionals and counselors will tell you this again and again and again. But guys, this is actually all throughout Scripture as well. All throughout Scripture. Here's just a few verses. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul is telling us that what we think about, what we set our minds on, matters. Ephesians 4.22 says, You were taught 
with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. That part of being made new is a shift in the attitude of our minds. Then I love this verse from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Because what we think about what we think about ourselves, what we think about others, what we think about our future, and what we think about our God, it matters. It matters. So hold that thought. We're going to study a section of Scripture today where Paul talks about our thoughts, talks about our thought life. You can turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. That's where it's at. <clears throat> It'll also be up on the screen as well, but you can use your smartphones if you want to follow along. While you're turning there, this was Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. Corinth is in the country of Greece between the Aegean and Ionian seas. It was a, an important port city, both militarily and commercially, but... Because of its popularity, it was an immoral city. They actually had a new Greek word called uh, or named Corinthiazomai, which means to live immorally like a Corinthian. So they had their own byword. Paul had established a church there, and so he wrote a couple of letters, first and second Corinthians, to help instruct this church, but this church was terribly influenced by its culture. The church was struggling with immorality, with conflicts and division, even struggled with the misuse of spiritual gifts. So Paul writes these letters, and in our section today, Paul is saying that there is a battle for your mindset. Corinthians, there's a battle for what you think about and what you think is normal. And then he gives us some instructions on how to win the battle for our minds. All right, so I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. One of my favorite sections of Scripture. So today we're introducing a new series called Kingdom Mindsets, Training Our Thinking. And it's a series about identifying the mindsets of the world and then training our thinking to have the mindset of Christ, a kingdom mindset. And I'm actually super excited about this upcoming series. And um, so today, though, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up the series by giving us three steps 
from this scripture, three steps that we can take to have a kingdom mindset, all right, to train our thinking. So let me pray, and then I'll give you uh, those three keys from this scripture. Father, I pray that you would be with us today. Lord, we know that there is a battle going on for our minds, and the enemy would love to really take us captive in this battle. So, Lord, I pray today for freedom, just the beginning, and that through this series, God, that there would be freedom that is released uh, from people who are just held captive by the enemy. So, Lord, I pray that you would give me your words to speak as we introduce this series, and Lord, give us hearts to receive what you have for us. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. We can better train our thinking by, number one, locating the lies. Locating the lies. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Arguments and pretensions set up against the knowledge of God. That's the lies. So an argument, we understand, you know, there's arguments, but a pretension is a little bit harder to understand the meaning. Um, it is this Greek word, hupsoma, something like that. Hupsoma, anybody got that one? I got nothing. Um, but it means an elevated place or thing, al altitude, a barrier, a high thing, a claim, or assertion. So a, a pretension is an elevated thought, almost a haughty thought that is against the knowledge of God. All right? It's a lie. It's an argument that's a lie against the, the knowledge of God. I love the way the message says this in verse 5. It says, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Guys, we are in a battle, and our enemy's weapon is lies. Again, and again, and again, and again. I mean, I have lies thrown against me all the time. It's what the enemy does. He tries to get us to believe a lie. And it started from the very beginning. Adam and Eve were deceived by a lie. Let's go back and just read that, that story in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Adam and Eve are in the garden of paradise. Everything is going well. They have communion with God. They're in a place where they're going to live forever, right? And then the devil comes along as a serpent and says this. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had, said, had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? By the way, that isn't what God said. He was planting a seed of doubt in the minds of Adam and Eve with an untrue statement. Anybody ever been there before? We can learn how the enemy works. The woman said to the serpent, we may, not, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. That's truth. That's what God said. And God didn't lie. 
You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, which was another lie. But Eve fell for it. And so she ate the fruit against what God had commanded her. Now, she didn't die that day, but she did die. And you know, if Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had never eaten that fruit, the forbidden fruit, they'd still be alive today because they had access to the tree of life and they could have just continued to live on and on. But they ate the fruit and contrary to the lie that the devil said to them, they died. So the number one attack of the enemy is to tell us a lie and try to get us to believe it. Because if he knows if we can believe a lie, we're going to doubt God. There's going to be separation. We're going to sin. There's going to be destruction in our lives. So to have a kingdom mindset, to have a kingdom mindset, first we need to locate the lies that we believe. All right, we have to identify the lies that we believe. And there are many ways that we can come to believe lies. It can be the enemy whispering in our ears. It could be circumstances and situations. It could be what other people have said to us in our lifetime, circumstances, things that happen to us. But still, we, 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 we start to believe these lies, and they hold us captive, right? They, they, they imprison us. Here at Lighthouse, we have a ministry we call Healing Prayer. And what we do during these healing prayer sessions is uh, we try to identify the lies that we believe and, uh, and address them in these sessions. And I've seen so many people find healing by simply addressing a lie that they have hung on to for perhaps years and not even known it. So um, several years ago, I was in a place personally where I was hanging on to and believing a lie because of circumstances and situations I'd gone through. I'd gone through a divorce, and it was just an ugly situation. And I didn't know it, but I was believing the lie that I wasn't lovable. That was really it, that I wasn't lovable. And so I went to a healing prayer weekend. It's called Mark Men for Christ. And I went there and spent the weekend really uncovering some of those things that are inside my soul. And, and, I, and I recognized that that wasn't true. And because, but because I believed that lie, that changed before that weekend. I, that changed who I was. I was constantly trying to earn other people's love or respect or honor. Does that make sense? Because if you don't feel lovable, it's going to affect you, right? You're going to try to prove that you are. And if anyone says anything different, you get really, really defensive in that. And it was helpful for me. But once you, once you identify the lie, once you locate the lie, there's another step, right? That's your, your second fill-in, and that is we need to trust the truth, trusting the truth is how we find, how we train our thinking. We need to locate the truth. We need to find it, and then we need to trust it. 
2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Okay, so you have these lies, arguments and pretension, the lies. And they're setting themselves up against the truth. Okay? Now, just so we're aware, there are many lies out there. There is only one truth. Right? I mean, they're just, the truth is the truth. It doesn't have to defend itself. It just exists. This world is, is really short on knowing what the truth is anymore. We, we're confused, right? I mean, our society as a whole is like, I just don't even know what's true anymore because there's so many lies out there. Guys, there is one truth, and it's here. It is here. It's in this book. This is the truth. And there's even lies that are being sown out there that this isn't true and making us doubt this book. And if we begin to doubt this book and the words on this page, what is the truth then? Then we're stuck. Now, we can trust this. The truth is what defeats the lies. For me, I was believing this, this lie that I wasn't lovable, but yet the truth is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And I'm part of the world. And so if God loves me, I must be lovable. You know, and God designed me when I was in my mother's womb. And then he, has, he has a plan for me. I mean, you can go through scripture after scripture after scripture, which, which counter or contradicts the lie that we are not lovable. Because it's simply not true. It's simply not true. But we have to trust it. You know, we have to trust it. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus' teachings in Scripture is the truth. God's promises and commands are true. The stories in the Bible are true to teach us and train us on godly principles. So we need to read our Bibles. If we want to defeat the lies of the enemy, we need to read our Bibles. We're inundated with so much, so many lies. We, we just have to counteract it. We need to read it. We need to know it. We need to memorize it. That old Bible school practice of memorizing Scripture, we just need it. We need to put it into our minds and our hearts. Here's your fill-in. There isn't any better, any better source of truth than the Bible, period. By the way, that's one of the reasons I love preaching the Bible. Because you can't argue with it. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to read a verse and just walk off the stage and go, deal with that. Because it's just, <laughs> it's just true. It's just true. But then I have 29 more minutes to, to talk. So I'll tell you stories. All right. So we can better train our thinking by trusting the truth. And then the last part of this, and I, and I think it's really important that we get this, all right? We got to get this last part. We can better train our thinking by aggressively taking action. I'm going to give a, a personal story as an, 
kind of a silly illustration in a little bit. But let me go back to our scripture. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Fight. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Demolishes a lot of action. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And get this. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We make it obedient to Christ. Guys, our thoughts do not want to be submissive to Christ. They don't. Our thoughts betray us many, many times. Anyone ever been there where you're thinking about something, worrying about something, and you tell yourself, stop it, and then you just keep thinking about it and worrying about it? (laughs) Our minds fight against us, but we have weapons, mainly a weapon, that we can fight against the lies of the enemy. And we can take them captive, take them captive, and make them submit to the knowledge of Christ. But it takes action. We need to be aggressive. In this series, we're going to show you some ways to take action. And I'm super excited about that, all the way through. So that's my three points for today. We can better train our thinking by locating the lies, trusting, trusting the truth, and aggressively taking action. But let me share a story from something that happened. This has been an eventful week for me. Um, so on Monday, I went up to Michigan. My dad is a deer hunter. I'm a deer hunter. And he needed to get up and check his tree stands and make sure that there's shooting lanes and all that kind of stuff. And so I went up there with him. And he climbed up into his, one of his tree st- stands. And he's way up in the air, probably 20 feet in the air. And he gives me his uh, saw on a stick. You know, it's basically, it's like an electric saw on a stick, you know. And he says, take out that branch. And so I'm underneath, and I took out that branch. It falls down. He says, how about this one? I took that one out. He goes, can you take this one out? There's, i got to see through this. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. So I, I backed up, and I'm looking up in the tree at what he's talking about. And all of a sudden, I saw something fly from the tree really fast, and it hit me, like right in the face. And I went, boom. I was like, wow. And I went, Ow. That hurt. And all of a sudden, ow, on my arm, like, that hurt. And I'm looking down, and I'm, I'm getting stung by a hornet. And I look up in the tree as I'm like, ow. And I look up, and there's a hornet's nest in the tree that I'm cutting the branches from, and they're starting to swarm, right? I'm like, Dad. <laughs> You need to get down. He's like, ow, <laughs> ow. And so I grabbed the saw and I grabbed whatever. The, the, I think we had a backpack and I took off running. My dad came down out of the tree and we took off running. And I gotten stung, I don't know, like six times. My dad got stung at like 10 times. Um, it was terrible. But let, let me tell you why I tell you that story. Because and this is kind of silly, but it applies. First of all, locate the lie. We thought we were safe. We thought there's nothing in these woods that can hurt us. Well, that was a lie, right? <laughs> and then you got to trust the truth. So first, next thing is 
We weren't safe. That was the truth. There was a hornet's nest right there. I could see it, right? If I just knew the truth, if I would have just accepted the truth, would it have changed my predicament? If I had just stood there and go, there's a hornet, ow, there's a hornet, yes, ow, right? No, I needed to what? Take some action. I took off running. <laughs> I was hoping my dad was coming. <laughs> but I, I was gone. I was going to take some action. And I will tell you, my dad took some action this week after that. A couple cans of hornet spray and a shotgun, and that nest no longer exists. <laughs> my dad is known to aggressively take action. <laughs> so um, in this series... Each week, we're going to locate the lies. We're going to trust the truth, find the truth, trust the truth, and then we're going to show you some steps to take action so that you can live in the truth. Um, these are the six weeks, the next six weeks. That our topics, first of all, is joyful versus woeful. We're going to do that next week because we can, have, we can go through life with a, a woeful mindset. Or we can go through life with a joyful mindset. It's, it's a choice that we can make. It's a choice we can make. Um, the next week, we're talking about having an authentic mindset. Being willing to just be who you are and be okay with that. Versus really trying to live fake, a fake life. Trying to impress people. October 2nd, I'm super excited about this one. This one's spoken to me personally. is just having a mindset of a son or daughter of God versus being an orphan or a slave because it's easy. It's easy to live like that, and that's not who we are. So we're going to talk about the differences of that. Then on October 9th, we're going to talk about being relaxed versus hurried. You know those people who just never seem to have time for anything? And then there's those people who are so relaxed and you're just so envious. Uh, God is not in a hurry. God is not hurried. He's not. That's not what he wants for his children. It doesn't mean that we're not supposed to take action when he tells us to, but we can live a relaxed uh, lifestyle. And we're going to talk about that. And then humble versus prideful. I'll be here for that one. <laughs> I need that one. Uh, and then I'm, uh, we're going to end this series with having a victorious mindset versus a victim mindset. And, uh, and we see it all the time. We see those who are living victoriously, regardless of their situation, and then those who are living like a victim. And we're going to address those each week. So I'm excited. I'm glad you guys are here today. I would encourage you to try to make every week, and you know, Look at the calendar and decide, is there, is there one of those topics I really need to invite my friend to and have them come to it? All right, so I want you guys all stand. I'm going to invite Rose to come up here for our closing prayer. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.